and welcome to this week's Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Bagshaw, GP and uh, Somerset NHS Clinical Lead for Mental Health and Dementia. And I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host and friend, Dr. Andrew Trasilla, NHS Somerset, uh, clinical, uh, clinical, what am I, Peter? I'm clinical lead for evidence-based interventions and medicines management. I was forgetting my own portfolio there. So, and um, <laughs> Peter, we've got a guest today, haven't we? We have indeed. So, um, Dr. Matthew Dolman, would you like to introduce yourself? And we're, our subject today is uh, advances in digital health in Somerset, I believe. So, Tell us a bit about yourself and, and why you're interested in this topic. Thank you, Peter. So um, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Dr. Matthew Dolman, uh, GP. I've been a GP in Somerset for 28 years now. Uh, and I've recently come into a role into the Somerset ICB as the Chief Clinical Information Officer, which is a very grand title, but uh, I distill it down into really being uh, helping people be curious about digital and data and to think about how we support people uh, and teams to, to get the most out of, out of technology. Um, before then, done a lot of leadership roles uh, across Somerset uh, and the region uh, and, and live in Somerset and uh, really passionate about how we can help people in Somerset um, yeah, live a fulfilling and, and thriving life. And um, before we go further, um, we'll just unpack the acronym ICB, which is Integrated Care Board, which is the successor to the, the CCG that people probably uh, also need unpacking. But it, it's basically the, the body that oversees services uh, in the NHS. Andrew, you wanted to come in. Well, Matthew, it's just that we've worked together and you've done a lot at a senior level uh, in, in Somerset, but it's very brave of you to come along today. And I'm just giving that as a little tag, Peter, for you to ask the next question. <laughs> so brave, that that sounds like an acronym to me. Do you want to tell us a bit about brave, Matthew? Uh, well, first of all, it's not an acronym. So I'm, I'm, I'm also pathologically adverse to acronyms. Um, which is obviously the scourge of, of, of many a system and the way we live. So no, it's not an acronym, um, but it's a, a very, I find, I think it is a really fascinating uh, approach to using uh, data, GP data, uh, to enable teams to have a different conversation with people. Um, and the genesis of the programme goes back nine years. So nine years ago, um, well, for longer than that, I've always been curious about what happens to all that information we put into those black boxes uh, that sit on our desks as practitioners. Um, and it always struck me that we could do more with that information. Um, and that was really the sort of the curiosity that sparked me to think, could we find a way of using that data and to present it in a different way? And just to get out of the way, I know a lot of people now are very worried about data collection and Big Brother and uh, all of that sort of thing. Do you, want, do you want to just tell us how how that's an issue and how confidentiality is maintained? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's really important to flag it early on in a conversation because information governance is absolutely essential um, in every healthcare system in this country. We follow very stringent guidance and rules and regulations about how we use data. And the way we use data in Brave uh, is for something that's labeled um, nationally as for direct care. 
So it means that the data can be only used for delivering care to a person. So it's not used for planning. It's not used for um, allocating resources. And in effect, it's what, um, you know, when a blood pressure is put on a system and a nurse reviews it um, in six weeks time for direct care, the brave approach um, sort of follows that that path. Uh, and that allows us to to present that data to people, their data. And essentially what it does, as I've alluded to, is present it in a different way, a very simple way that actually predicts their risk of going to hospital next year. So what it does is brings into the conversation um, and, and, and the reality of the future. And I have always been, again, quite driven in my conversations with people about thinking about what makes a difference to them, what matters to them. And going to hospital matters to a lot of people. And if you can actually structure a conversation and give them a, a sense that they've got a, a high risk, a low risk or a medium risk, um, then then that was why we thought, well, let's try and use that data in a, in a different way. And that's what we've done. So just to check that I've, I understand what you're saying, you're saying that if, say, somebody has their blood pressure checked and it's a bit high, you can tell them that means your risk of going into hospital from this condition is X. Does it also then say if we treat it and get your blood pressure down, then your risk of going into hospital is reduced by Y? No, it doesn't do that. It, it does the, the first element of your statement, So it and it and but it does it with the whole, all the data. So it, it treats a person as a whole. It doesn't just take a blood pressure reading or a fact that you might be taking diabetic medication or that you've had a fall last week. What's so amazing, I think, and many people do think it's pretty groundbreaking, is it takes that whole data and and actually presents a person's risk, as, a, as I alluded to, as a simple score from 0 to 100. So if you live in Somerset and we're in a conversation in the consulting room or with the team, um, if they had brain in front of them, I could start a or inform a conversation with a person to say, you've got a 70% chance of going to hospital next year. And we've had a number of systems in primary care, haven't we, which have tried to pick out people who are at particularly high risk of going into hospital so we can focus on them and help them. Yeah. There was Dr. Foster, I seem to remember. So is Brave doing something similar as well as what you're describing? Yeah, so, so, again, we've been we've been obviously using data to predict um, and influence our health for hundreds of years. Um hundreds of years you know it's part of it's part of the art as well as the science isn't it of actually trying to get a sense of of what risk people have of having something bad happen to them what brave does is use what essentially is machine learning so that's uh, a subset of artificial intelligence um and the the machine learning is is using lots of equations in a big computer with lots of data to produce one score that predicts the future. Lots of the previous uh, predictive um, tools use the past. So if you've had lots of falls, you're going to have more falls, which again is 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 relatively linear. But of course, people are complex, and and that's where by using machine learning and big data sets, you can start getting that holistic wraparound that. There are other factors that will influence a person's 
outcome of the future. Um, and if you and the machine learning can can learn, it actually the more information it gets, the more refined its prediction. And there's quite a bit of nervousness, isn't there, around machine learning and AI. In fact, we've got a, a conference on on it coming up in this country, I think, uh, in the fairly near future. Next Again, can, yes, <laughs> uh, may have happened by the time this podcast comes out. So again, can you reassure us that this isn't a, a Terminator type situation, that we're just using this to, to make our predictions more accurate? Yeah, it's so important, isn't it, Peter? I think with any innovation, um, it's important that, that citizens and, and practitioners are confident in its safety and you can't open a newspaper or read online without seeing something about artificial intelligence and and a lot of that focus around artificial intelligence is about the very latest iteration of that which is called generative um, artificial intelligence which starts using you know almost mind mind confusing levels of information and then starting to to simulate and create an illusion of what humans can do uh what we're using actually the statistics that are used in brave go back to probably pre-1950 uh, the first um, papers were basically mathematical papers from 1957 from turing um, and basically mathematicians in the mid-century could could start using data to to predict things the big leap of course has been in terms of the computer power and in the amount of data what braid does is basically layer hundreds of equations on top of each other and and funnels out to one output really interesting so here is a computer program uh, that sits on our gp systems at the moment or it's in development or it's reached the point where it could so it sits it's a software program yes it sits in a hyper secure um health computer environments which obviously nine years of gestation is significantly around how do you find a super safe place to host this sort of um, knowledge and put around security and then the the GP data, it doesn't use anyone else's data. It doesn't use social care data. It doesn't use hospital data. It uses purely what's in the GP record is, is funneled into the algorithm to then produce. And again, that was part of my briefing as a simple clinician. The output was, was about how do you pre- present a visualization that teams can easily interface with uh, to find the people or the person they're talk- talking to. Oh, really interesting. And is it in action at the moment? Um, yeah. yeah. So we're basically using it now in uh, nine of our um, uh, primary care network teams across Somerset out of the 13. Uh, it started off being used in one practice where I used to work. And then we've slowly, in an improvement approach, just slowly iterated and grown and learned. Um, and the design of the interface, as I say, is has been driven by those primary care teams so they input to the design and that's happened over nine years so it's sort of grown in Somerset designed in Somerset and um, can help the people of Somerset that's really interesting and I'm so glad to hear your reassurance about the hyper secure aspect because data is important and there are all sorts of companies whether it's uh, other health aspects of the health health areas or uh, industry or others 
would very much like to have personalized data that they can get their hands on. But so this sounds a fantastic system. Can you give us any example of of how anyone's been helped by it? Yeah. So so the one of the standout um stories, and there are many, is a, is a young diabetic chap that I basically struggled to to support in in optimizing his diabetic care. So he was on insulin, uh, was at high risk of going to well, he was at high risk of hospital, but he didn't know that. So I'd spent well years in the practice trying to 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 find a way to to change and influence his behavior and it was and he he describes this this is his reply that when he saw the fact that he as a 38 year old had a 75 percent chance of going to hospital next year that that something clicked and and i think it for me it's this very human metric of going to hospital it's not talking about your hba1c which is the scientific measure of how sugarified your blood is or your blood pressure reading even it's it's something that anybody can relate to and and he went away and came back and over a period of a few months actually it drove a change in his um sort of management his lifestyle essentially it wasn't about his insulin it's significantly about his lifestyle as often it is and another example we're using it in a care home team uh in somerset and it was able to uh, the software was able to signal two 85 year olds that was signaled at having a high risk of going to hospital and we always use brave with the medical record so you don't use it in isolation that's another one of the important elements it's regulated as a medical device one of the few in the country so it's gone through very stringent regulation to become a medical device a type one medical device but what it, it flagged that there were two 85 year olds in a care home that were high risk of going to hospital I immediately thought that when I logged onto the computer system, I'd see lots of interactions, lots of things that would signal that these 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 folk were at high risk. In fact, the converse was the reality that they hadn't been seen. So the algorithm was detecting people at risk because of non-events, which is obviously an incredibly important thing in terms of healthcare, because historically we're a reactive service to events happening and that's what drains our resources and energy but using this sort of the machine learning was able to say that this 85 year old is is at high risk because she hasn't been seen i was able to visit spoke to the home and again they actually said oh we weren't you know ethel wasn't quite right um and again we were able to start a comprehensive geriatric assessment as a structured review those people haven't ended up in hospitals. So that's just a little insight of some of the the subtleties that are well, not even subtleties. Some of the the realities of how the the tool can help us. That's fascinating. You said that the health service traditionally is reactive, and certainly at medical school and uh, all our professional schools, we learn about the car crashes metaphorically and how to how to deal with the aftermath rather than how to avoid them the upstream stuff. And I have to say, most of us as human beings are just slightly lazy. We take our health for granted. You know, we we do put fuel in our cars because it's very inconvenient to run out of fuel on an important journey, but we might just mortgage our health. And so we we tend to not take it as seriously as we might. And that's where again, so and again at the end, the visualization that brave so many of us have got a very low risk of going to hospital. That's because that's a, just a reality. But but as but there are there is a, obviously a not an insignificant number of people who we can now identify who they don't know they're at risk of going to hospital. We don't know they're going to risk of hospital. 
but an intervention can make a difference. And that, again, is, is obviously really significant in health and care settings because we use, we invest, I think it's 80% of our resources into 5% of our population. Those people who are who are struggling, who are in crisis and on that, that cyclical um, sort of reality. Whereas if we can get upstream, then that's got to make a huge benefit for, for obviously the person, family and carer, but also significantly the healthcare teams as well. That sounds really interesting. And uh, we, we all want to be motivated to achieve good outcomes. So will it reach a point where I... I I, as a patient, can um, can um, send a message to my GP or or um, access an app somehow and just say, "What's my Brave score?" Uh, you could you could certainly imagine that point, Andrew. I mean, again, I've all, I had again right at the very outset when I was talking to the guys developing, and you know, I've always I, I cycle. I you know, one of those middle aged men in lycra, uh, and. And I, yes, I, I, I ride a bicycle, Matthew. I, yeah. I don't. I, yes, I <laughs> but, don't wear the lycra. I just yeah. around. Uh, yeah, but, but 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 I track all my cycling on a on an app called Strava. Oh yes, which, which which basically again is a community, so people can see my Strava score and my fitness score, and we talk about it in the pub and among my peers. And and I, I again, I had that very early ambition that people could become comfortable with what is my brave score and socialize it and actually become a driver to people to think, Oh, what, why is his score higher than mine? And what I really like about what you're saying, Matthew, is that it sounds as though it's giving people information. It's giving people power. It's not taking power away from them. And again, just to build on. So I, I, it's part of its official title is brave AI. Um, and when we talk about the AI bit, it's, it, I, I reference actionable insights. So what the software will also do is give the person insights about what is driving their risk. That could be their medication. It could be their long-term condition. It could be their, um, their, their care or lack of care. And that's driven by the machine learning. So the machine learning will present insights to the clinical team to supplement their clinical knowledge, which again, you know, in terms of um, maximizing our mixed teams. So the future of delivering care is going to be with mixed teams. So I work with a pharmacist, an OT, um, a nurse and a consultant and two other GPs. And it means we can start directing if the insight is that the driver is medication, then actually the pharmacist might be the best person to pick up that conversation. Or if it's actually around mobility, the OT or physio is an example. So it goes deeper than just giving a score. It starts exploring that. Fantastic. You mentioned another sort of AI earlier, generative AI, mm. um, which most people will know as chat GPT, though other generative AI is available. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of taking over, I think, from Dr. Google as the go-to thing for, for patients who've got a problem. Do you want to say a bit about the the benefits and potential pitfalls of Yeah, I think, again, I, I'm no expert. Um, and again, I think the the... I mean, I don't know if you have, you, have either of you used ChatGPT. I've used it, and I've also read evidence on it. And yeah, yeah. So it's 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 certainly worth having a play with. You know, it's free to download. Uh, and the times I've been curious and experimented with it, it's given me some some really sort of valuable can output. 
uh, all the warnings that we read about in terms of its its depth of knowledge are. I think have to be taken really seriously um and that's why again only yesterday in the guardian there was a piece from the google deep mind scientists saying that the regulation around generative ai which is which is computers the size that you can hardly begin to imagine in terms of power and data data um, flowing in that again as we know is is vast um it is it is a concern i do worry about that but this type of, as I say, what I would call old-fashioned machine learning we're using is, is a long way away from this generative AI environment. So use it cautiously. It needs to come with a health and health and welfare warning. Whereas something called the NHS app is possibly somewhat different. Do you want to tell us a little bit yeah, about so, that? So NHS app, again, hopefully uh, folk in the UK will be, England will be familiar with the NHS app, but that's a a national program that enables people who um, can access the internet, either on their phone or their tablet or their computer at home, can can interface with the health system. So they can have a personalised visualisation of their information because they can access their GP record and they can start interacting with um, primary care, GP practices, uh, they can see records from the 31st of October. It becomes a very sort of, I think, very powerful, useful resource for those that can. And I guess that's the big piece about digital that I always, again, it's a, it's a, it's a balance. But and digital inclusion is a massive issue, and we have to. I try and put it in the same conversation or sentence every time that we have to recognize that some people can't or won't or don't have the confidence to to access the internet or things like the nhs app but how can we support them great program going on in somerset with it sparks sparks it supporting people so the nhs app it's definitely um a vehicle that we saw vehicle an app flourish during covid of course in terms of trying to work out um how and where to get a vaccination holding a vaccination certificate um but it's got and will have a a significant part to play for people going forward i'm really glad you mentioned the question of digital inclusion matthew because there are concerns aren't there that this might uh, increase inequalities rather than reduce them Uh, again you want to tell us a bit more about what's being done to try and mitigate well i think we just we just again certainly within the the digital family of somerset and that includes we have a very active and dynamic um digital family that that meets as a as a board so we're constantly referencing and thinking about how can we support people across somerset that as i say do not have access to digital um and how can we increase that infrastructure obviously um that again is a is a is a is a responsibility for the society of somerset isn't it i would argue in terms of getting broadband access into those those more westerly easterly southerly northerly uh, areas of somerset um and 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 as i say i think we have to we've got to recognize there will always be um a subset of the population that don't or won't want to and and there are certain circumstances particularly with very person-centered interactions that digital doesn't play a role i still hugely value the conversation i have with a patient and and that is an art that will never be captured in a digital way i would hope and believe so yes let's let's work to enhance where it's needed 
but recognize that there will always and should be uh, a space for a conversation, a pen and paper, a drawing. And that rapport, uh, that trust, that relationship that's built up is so important, as are trusted sources of knowledge. And I, I'm a bit old fashioned. I just like to give a plug to a great book um, produced, uh, written by one of our recent guests, which is Lucy Pollock, uh, who's a consultant in care of the elderly in Taunton. Her book, The Book About Getting Older, which everybody should read. Um, and I suppose there's something about um, we should all be more educated in the health matters that affect us. Are there any trusted ways of getting information digitally, Matthew? Such as, um, so I, I think always it's a it's it's yes, there are. I mean that sort of kite marking sort of analogy, I guess, is is so important. And that I guess the starting point is to come through and look for that NHS. Um, logo they're coming through and taking signposting from in Somerset uh, the, the Somerset NHS system um, but I think it always it just is that that cautionary note isn't it that I would always build a, a digital interaction into a conversation ideally with a professional or practitioner um, and and weigh up what you've what you've discovered um, would be my personal thought on it. Thank you. And what is Somerset Orca? That's Orca, O-R-C-H-A. Yeah, so Somerset Orca is um, is is not a natural history uh, program. It's um, it's a it's a it's an invite. It's a it's a place where we basically um, collected lots of um, apps um, so that um, people in Somerset can find a reliable, trusted, and that was the bridge across Andrew. Excellent um, resource where. A, a significant number of apps have essentially been approved and they come with a, a rating of 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 how um reliable they are um but it's a great place to start looking for in you know digital support offers and perhaps i can give a plug to one of our previous podcasts where we talked about uh, trusted health information if people are interested they can they can go and look that up but uh, t- tell me a bit more about orca now that's got to be an acronym surely matthew uh, you caught me out there, Peter. I will, I will have to check. Uh, it must be an acronym, as you say. In fact, while we're talking, I can see Andrew Google it straight away. But essentially, it's a, it's a, as I say, it's a, it's a service that Somerset have, have bought, um, a, a certified company, uh, nationally vet uh, hundreds of different apps, and then they are sort of, as I say, made available. Uh, in a in a secure space that and a trusted space, and um, practitioners in Somerset can be registered as um, what we call professional users. So that allows them to um, basically almost prescribe the app and send a, a link to a person, so that they can fire it up on their tablet or mobile phone. Uh, and yes, um, we now know what Orca stands for. Our, our producer David has put it in the chat. Organization yes. for the review of care and health apps. Thank you, David. Okay. Very snappy. Excellent. <laughs> but again, Not I a encourage people to look, and uh, as you say, you can you can take the link from the website, Somerset ICB website, uh, and as I say, you could be prescribed in a conversation with with practitioners in Somerset. Are there many apps there? Is it just one or two? Or yeah, there's hundreds. There's hundreds and hundreds of apps in different categories um and and yes um there for people to 
to browse and to to try and find again it's very personal isn't it i'm sure on our phones we've all got different types of apps all trying to probably do the same thing but you know there's a very as i say the design and the interface is really important for people and i think we need to make it clear that although apps are ubiquitous and often free very often they're from people pushing a particular point of view or push, pushing a particular product so it's really important that people use these these trusted reviewed apps isn't it otherwise they can they can not just get bad information they can get dangerous information yeah yeah absolutely peter i would say that's why i think you know not using it in isolation try and have a conversation with with, even within family, friends, just just test it and explore it. Um, don't be sort of driven into a very narrow view on what's, what you're reading on the screen. Three other uh, good websites, which are the NHS Somerset website, uh, and uh, somerset.nhs.uk, the, the general nhs.uk website. And, of course, I think there's one called the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast um, <laughs> website, which uh, we like to think is a, a trusted force of, of information. And, and thank you, everybody who's listening, for coming and joining us. And uh, our, as as ever, our producer, David, will will put this up on the show notes so people can get, find access to all of all of that stuff. And we welcome feedback as well. Uh, we always like to hear from people about what they found useful, what they found reliable. So if if they go on particular apps and find them good or bad, do let us know and we'll we'll be happy to pass that on. Just one last question, Matthew, if I may. How can people find out more about Brave? Do they ask uh, their GP? Is there a website? Yeah, so it, it, they absolutely can. I mean, it's again, it's been used in three quarters of the teams across Somerset. We're about to do a sort of communication piece across Somerset that will bring it to life a little bit more. Um, and and I think, as I say, the reality is it, it is for teams to use with patients in their in their consultations or interactions. The future may be that it becomes more of a of a of a, a conversation health uh, metric. So, as I say, look out for the communications. As I say, it's um, it's going it's 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 live but it's going to be used more. Well, Matthew, thank you very much indeed for demystifying uh, a topic which a lot of us either find sort of very exciting or very scary, and, and you put it into, into context uh, very clearly for us. Do you or Andrew have any last words you want to leave our listeners with? No, other than, um, as I say, thank you for the opportunity for for sharing some of the stuff we've been doing. And as I say, I think it's, you know, it, it's, good to to be curious and to to say contact anybody and and ask questions uh, to break down any mystique or fear thank you and uh, the more we invest in our own health and by i don't mean necessarily money but time and attention it always yields well so uh, we wish our audience our listeners to go well and peter last words to you I would just say go well. And we're talking about AI, which, uh, you know, a lot of us find useful. But don't forget the real world as well. Get out there in nature as well, won't you? And maybe even leave your mobile phone at home when you do it. Thank you all and go well. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. The show was hosted by our team of doctors, including Dr. Andrew Tresida, Dr. Peter Bagshaw and Dr. Sarah Cooper. The show was produced by Rob Holmes Music on behalf of the NHS Somerset Integrated Care Board.